And good morning to everyone, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Janice M., and I'm a grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater. Today's Friday, February 10th, 2017. Today we're reading from the, in the big book, and we're on chapter, Bill's Story. And today we're going to be on page five. We're going to read three paragraphs, beginning with, Then I Got a Promising Business, and we're going to be reading paragraphs four and paragraphs five, commenting on that. Today's readers are for the 12, for the 12 Steps, Marietta P., for the 12 Traditions of OA, Leah S. And our readers for the text will be Mara Z. and Larry K. Now the share ID for yesterday, Thursday, February 9th, 2017, is 9585. That's 9585. The OA preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who through shared experience, strength, and hope are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose, OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and the 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Marietta P. to please read OA's 12 steps. Good morning, Marietta P. Recovered, Virginia. The 12 Steps of Overeaters Anonymous. One, we admitted we were powerless over food and that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we'd harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people whenever possible, except to do so, do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory, and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. 
12, having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we try to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. And with that, I pass. Thank you. And thank you, Marietta P. I will now ask Leah S. to please read OA's 12 Traditions. Thank you. This is Leah S., compulsive overeater from Brooklyn. The 12 Traditions. Tradition 1. Our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Tradition 2. For our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. The only Tradition 3. The only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Tradition four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Tradition five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the overeater who still suffers. Tradition six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise list problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from my primary purpose. Tradition seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Tradition eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Tradition nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Tradition 10, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Tradition 11, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, and films. Tradition 12, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of our traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. I pass. And thank you so much, Layeress, for stepping up also. This is how our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. Now, once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass, then press star one to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted. Well, today we're going to resume our study of the big book, Bill's story. We're on page five, and our first reader is going to read three paragraphs starting with 
paragraph three, going to four, and going to five. We're just going to, the first reader will be just reading paragraph three for context, and she'll be commenting on paragraph four and five. And I would like to ask Mara Z, please, to begin reading for us. Good morning, Janice, and thank you for your service. Can I be heard? You can. Thank you. <clears throat> Mara Z, recovered in Virginia. Then I got a promising business opportunity. Stocks were at the low point of 1932, and I had somehow formed a group to buy. I was to share generously in the profits. Then I went on a prodigious bender, and the chance vanished. I woke up. This had to be stopped. I saw I could not take so much as one drink. I was through forever. Before then, I had written lots of sweet promises, but my wife happily observed that this time I meant business, and so I did. Shortly afterward, I came home drunk. There had been no fight. Where had been my high resolve? I simply didn't know. It hadn't even come to mind. Someone had pushed a drink my way, and I had taken it. Was I crazy? I began to wonder. For such an appalling lack of perspective seemed near being just that. And I apologize if you can hear my dog barking in the background. He's actually in another room but I will persevere. So what comes to my mind is this had to be stopped. I saw I could not take so much as one drink. I need to set my timer real quick. Sorry, I should have had this done. Um, I was through forever. And I don't know how many times in my life before and after joining OA, I had said this to myself, too numerous to count. I knew I was up against the wall. I knew that I wasn't able to stop, but I didn't know who could help me to stop. I didn't know where to find that help. So this was the life I led. And then there had been no fight. Where had been my high resolve? Well, there was no fight because I was running on instinct at that point. Because once I had triggered my allergy and the obsession of my mind took over, I'm running on instinct. And an instinct, there's no thought behind that. It's like an animal. The only actions come from reactions. And so there implied no choice. It's reaction only. And if there's no choice, I'm going to pick up. I must pick up. There's nothing to stop me. As I've heard, I'm biologically mandated. I will pick up. And the only thing that happens then is for just a brief short second, you know, the time has, has shortened. It used to be that, you know, perhaps for a minute or two I was enjoying my food and, you know, everything was right with the world. But as time has gone on, the time of my relief from what I know now was a cacophony of noises in my head with the same message in like 32 different languages, all of them telling me, pick up, pick up, eat that. You know you want it. Why are you resisting? There is no resistance. And I can think of Star Trek and resistance is futile. I mean, it's just, there's nothing that's going to stop me. 
I'm like an automaton at that point. There's no off switch, at least none that I know of. And so I'm going to pick up, and that silences the obsessive thoughts in my mind. And grateful is not even the strong enough word to express how I feel that today I don't have to live that way. It is no longer, you know, when I'm going to pick up or if I'm going to pick up. It's I'm not going to because I'm neutral around the food. And I, I just don't think about it at all. It doesn't occur to me. And that is the most amazing miracle of my life. And it's only through the 12 steps and my higher power. And with that, I'll pass. And thank you so much, Mara. Okay, we're, just a reminder, we're on page five. We're commenting on paragraphs four and five, which begins, I woke up and ends with lack of perspective. Seemed near being just that. Okay, who would like to begin our Hi, comment? Melissa R. Leanne W. Monica Melissa T. Lynn S. Natasha. I'm only going to take four. Let's see. Melissa R. Monica T. Nessa R. Was it? Was it Nessa R. And Larry? Yes. Yep. That's Leanne right. W. Leanne I'm going w. to just go. Natasha from New York. No, I just take four or five. That's how Janice does it. <laughs> All right, so we can get going. Melissa R., you're up. Is it Melissa R., Melissa C.? Neither one? See, when everybody... All right, Monica Melissa T. Melissa C., I'm sorry, uh, Melissa C. Oh, okay, go ahead, Melissa. Hi, hi, good morning. Melissa C. recovered. Compulsive overeater in New York, and... um. You know, what jumps out at me is there had been no fight. Where had been my resolve? And was I crazy? Um, and yes, you know, yes, I'm crazy. Um, I suffered from insanity. You know, it's like a blind spot when it comes to food. Um, I have a form, because I have a form of food senility, you know, because I can't recall just how awful it is. You know, I lose all perspective, Um the thought to eat would pop up and it's like the food was back in my mouth, you know? So again, over and over, I would just keep trying. And um, it's like I had an inability to finish, you know, the sentence. Uh, I would, the thought would come, the sentence would start, wouldn't it be nice to have some ice cream, whatever. But I didn't finish the thought, you know, I didn't finish the sentence because having some ice cream, the rest of the sentences, followed by self-loathing, out of control eating, hiding in my bedroom, nothing fitting me, hating my family, wanting to die. You know, that part of the sentence, I could never see um, when the call of the food was 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 there, you know. And um, it's that part of the thought was not readily available. You know, as I was taking the first bite, there were no thoughts of the consequences, you know. And and it really makes no sense that um, I could plan out so many things in my life. Um, but this, mm-mm. you know, my job is a teacher, so I'm really good at plans. I can execute a plan, know what the end result is going to be, you know, uh, uh, manipulate things to try to get that end result with the students. And food and eating, I could never apply those strategies. None of that worked. And, um, you know, and so it just tells me 
God, I needed to recover. You know, I needed to recover. Um, thank you. With that, I'll pass. And thank you, Melissa C. Okay, Monica T., it's your turn. Good morning, Janice. Good morning, everyone. My name is Monica T., and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in Florida. So we're in Bill's story, and we're hearing about Bill and his progression here into the disease. And I woke up. This had to stop. I saw I could not take so much as one drink. I was through forever. So he's finally realizing that he has a problem with alcohol. And he's making this promise, and he really means it. I'm not going to do this again. I'm not going to do this again. I, I can't. I can't afford to. Shortly afterward, I came home drunk. There had been no fight where had been my high resolved. I simply didn't know. It hadn't even come to mind. Someone had pushed a drink my way, and I had taken it. Was I crazy? You know, I can relate to all of this. You know, so he's talking here. We're, being, we're hearing some. We're seeing some about the mental obsession here. This, what is going on in my brain? Or what isn't going on in my brain? You know, I really, really want to stop. And I can do all these other things. Why can't I do this? It didn't even come to mind that I had just made a resolution 30 minutes ago that I wasn't going to eat today, that I was going to follow my plan today. And here I am face first in the food. What in the world is going on? Man, can I relate to this? Was I crazy? You know, this is total unmanageability. This is total powerlessness of this disease because... I do what I don't want to do, and I don't do what I want to do. See, my mind, I'm screwed. Either way, I'm not doing what I want, what I say I want. And this is the baffling, power, par powerful aspect of this disease. And the only way out of this is working these steps and tapping God, a power greater than me, that can do for me what I couldn't do for myself. There's hope, people. Do the work. And I pass. And thank you so much, Monica T. Okay, I believe Nessa R., you're up. Your turn. Hi, good morning. Vision for you. This is Nessa R., recovered in Toronto, Canada. So now we're starting to read about Bill's many vain attempts to, uh, to stop, um, and he cannot do it. But he, re he knows he needs to do it, and he really wants to do it, and he is sincere. And he actually is able to put it down, but he cannot keep it down. He cannot stay stopped. You know, it's that utter inability to leave it alone, no matter how great the necessity or the wish. And this just talks to me about the mental obsession. The mental obsession... And the fact that, uh, you know, once we stop, once I stop, I have all these lies in my mind convincing me that it is a good idea to stop, that it's not going to hurt me, that it's going to be fine, you know, uh, because I cannot eat on the truth. I can only eat on a lie. And I like, you know, this, uh, this, this description um, 
um, on page 24, it's in italics, it says, um, the fact is that most alcoholics, for reasons yet obscure, have lost the power of choosing drink. Our so-called willpower becomes practically non-existent. We are unable at certain times to bring into our consciousness with sufficient force the memory of the suffering and humiliation of even a week or a month ago. We are without defense against the first drink. And, you know, this is total mental obsession, you know. I, I tell myself, you know what, Nesse, you haven't had cookies you know, in a long time, um, and now you know you know what, what to do. You know how to control it. You can just have two cookies, and two cookies are not going to hurt you. They're going to, you know, you're going to enjoy. You're not going to be able, um, you're not going to have uh, uh, any weight gain as a result. It's going to be fine, and that's a lie, and with that lie, I can eat. But if I tell myself the truth, you know what, Nesta, you have never, been able to eat two cookies. Those two cookies led to a whole box of cookies, and it led to this other thing and that other thing and a binge and 70 extra pounds and um, feelings of, uh, of uh, fear, guilt, shame, remorse, fights with your husband, uh, you know, destroyed relationships with your loved ones, you know, misery and depression. It's never been a good thing. If I tell myself that, if I tell myself that, then I will not eat. And that, inabil and that ability to differentiate the true from the false is the difference between disease and recovery. Um, in recovery, I can tell myself the truth, and I can remember the consequences and how awful uh, the food eventually made me feel, not only like how awful it made me look as well. Um, and, and, you know, it's just... Thank you. And it's just a, a better way to live. It's a happier way to live. The peace of mind is priceless. And with that, I pass. And thank you so much, um, Nessa R. Okay, Larry Kay, you're up. Hey, Janice. Thank you for your service. Uh, Larry Kay, recovered compulsive reader from Chicago. So we read, was I crazy? What do you mean cra Crazy? Look, I'm I'm just eating some pizza and some milk duds. I'm I may be fat, crazy. I don't know about crazy. So I wasn't really identifying in with this thing, um, and I I had trouble with that. You know, and maybe sometimes some of, some people have difficulty identifying with Bill's story because he was such a low bottom drunk. And and here, as elsewhere in the book, it's important that we look for similarities rather than differences. Just like what, you know, when we're at an OA speaker meeting, we should see where we can relate to the way the person thought, the way they felt, and the way they ate, even long after the food has become a problem. So in this way, we can identify in and not compare. Now, what we read this morning gives us pretty good indication of the progressive nature of the disease. And I, I may be living a fairly functional life right now, but give it time uncontrolled diabetes, deteriorating relationships, unemployment, financial ruin. What, where do you need to identify in at? Deeper levels of dishonesty, greater isolation. Where, where do you need to identify? Depression? How about more medications as Band-Aids? The list goes on. You see, in a few short years, Bill's going to lose everything. He becomes an unemployed, hopeless drunk. Where is my bottom? That's a good question for me. The grave? No, I've got, no I, I'm, I'm an educated guy. There's no thought of a grave. 
See, we're at a point in Bill's story where he's about to finally hit his rock bottom. The thing was, Bill was at a particular disadvantage since there was no AA for him to join. And while he accepted his unmanageability, he had not accepted his powerlessness. He didn't see it because no one had written step one yet. There's no admission of powerlessness. There cannot be spiritual transcendence yet. Why? Because I'm still operating from self-will. I'm large. Yeah, I'm large, but I'm in charge, baby. I'm in charge. There's no need for a power greater than my own will. So this is we. I have to read this and identify in with it. Otherwise, I'm never going to, you know, embark on this practical practical program of action. Just won't happen. With that, I'll pass. Thanks. And thank you so much, Larry Kay. Okay, just a, a, a gift of hope here. We're going to be on this paragraph for the rest of the meeting. So we're going to go take our time. I think I heard a Leanne for the next group. Is that correct, Leanne? Yes. Yes, that's okay. correct. Okay. Charles okay, H. Got, and we got Charles Camille H. Wait Camille G. I heard Camille G. I heard Camille G. And I think I heard Sarah W. I know I missed one in there in between. But Lynn, we'll S. To... Lynn S. All right. We're just going to go with Leanne and Charles and Camille and Sarah right now. Okay, Leanne. Is it Leanne what, dear? Leanne W. Can I be heard? Yes, you can. Please go ahead. Oh, terrific. Thank you so much. This is Leanne W. from Massachusetts. Grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater, and I am uh, reading through this and have been listening all week. And as I've looked at this, well, we started previously where um, Bill said, nevertheless, I still thought I could control the situation, and there were periods of sobriety. Then it went further in where then I went on a prodigious bender and the chance vanished. I woke up. This had to be stopped. I thought I was through forever. This time I meant business, and so I did. And what jumped out at me as I've been listening all week and then reading through all of this is I remember the times where I've had brief abstinence in this program, never had any recovery, just had that white-knuckling abstinence. I had some weight loss. I was feeling good, but I was plagued by food dreams. And I don't know if those of you out there, you remember those food dreams, but they were, I would wake up in the morning and I would swear I had eaten. And little did I know that that was just sort of the beginning of the, the problem because ultimately what happened was I'd pick up a piece of pizza or I'd have a cookie or something like that without even realizing it because all I ever did was live my life in a white-knuckling state, just doing everything I could do to just maintain that abstinence so I could go to my meeting and say, yes, I didn't eat. But uh, ultimately what happened was I would eat. And when I ate, that was it. It was, you know, you would be felt with those feelings of now I failed, I did it wrong, you know, I can't go to my meetings anymore, I have to stop sponsoring, all of this craziness. And then I would be like full-blown back into the food. And this cycle continued over and over and over until eventually, finally, God brought me to this meeting where I got a recovered sponsor and I worked the steps. And it's just such a joy and such a relief to not be plagued by those dreams, to not have that white knuckling anymore. All of that is gone. And, but this whole thing of just having to white knuckle through everything um, was it was just a hell to live in, and I'm just so grateful I'm not there. And with that, I pass. Thank you. And thank you, Leanne W. Charles H. Good morning to you. 
Good morning, Janice. Charles H., a recovered compulsive overeater. Um, the 22 or 21 eyes on this page, I definitely identify with Bill W., um, especially when he says, I woke up. This reminds me of the Jim Selfie picture um, uh, part of my recovery. Um, I had to, you had to see me. You had to, you know, <laughs> I, I, I'm finally going to do this thing. I found, first of all, I, I didn't work. I didn't work. If, if I think I woke up on my own power, I need to go back to sleep because I'm, I'm the walking dead. I didn't wake up. And, and, and I know God didn't put smack the food out of my mouth, but at this point, I'm still trying to fight this thing. On my, I identify with Bill W., trying to fight this thing alone. I woke up. This had to stop. I saw I could not take but one drink. We, he already knew that. And, and thank God he wrote this as a recovered person. Um, and I saw identify in with all these eyes. I can do this. I, I don't need anybody. I can, you know, and, and um, this is beautiful, man. This is beautiful. Was I crazy? Yeah, I was definitely crazy. I began to wonder. There go that mental obsession again. That that's like um, he's not out of ideas yet. He's close, but he's not. I, there's four tanks um, of alcohol that's going to be filled up, and three is blocked off from four. I don't know why I said that, but I'm blocked off because I'm not out of ideas yet. But I began to wonder, <laughs> and 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 I, and I have to go back to that that paragraph you guys was talking about this week. I had a a, a promising deal, right? business opportunity and there's so much times in the first step in the first 56 pages that then i went on a prestigious bender well not prestigious prodigious bender and the chances vanishing in the doctor's opinion it says that in bill's story it says that and there's a solution it says that it says that in, um more about alcoholism too i identify with that so much i could have did something to gain some finances, and the thought came again, <laughs> and I'm screwed. But thank God for Bill W.'s um, story, right? It seems like he's a cocky guy, but I'm I'm grateful he was cocky because I, I was cocky as well. But today I'm neither cocky or afraid. And with that, I pass. Thanks. And thank you so much, Charles H. Okay, Camille G., it's your turn. Camille G., is that right? Press star one to unmute. Ida. Good morning. Good morning. This is Camille G. Please go ahead, Camille. You can hear me. Thank you. Uh, Good morning. I'm recovering from Reno, Nevada. Uh, The part that I can most relate to in this is um, in the process of my recovery today is that he definitely was aware that this was affecting him in his body. I don't think that he's attached yet to knowing that this, that he's totally obsessed. Um, the way I can bring this into my consciousness today is this is still who I am. I still have the ability to um, know this had to be stopped. I still have the ability to believe that I mean business. I still have the ability to um, to have this appalling lack of perspective. Um, That's still a part of who I am. However, another part of who I am today is, I know this has to be stopped and I know it's not in my capability to do it because I have 20 plus years of showing 
I never could do anything, although I worked pretty diligently attempting to believe I could. Um, I had said I was through forever. I don't say that today because I know I'm only through for the next 24 hours, and it only occurs to me to be through if I have my hand wrapped around God's hand because I totally accept my powerlessness around this disease today. Um, And the sentence where there had been no fight, there is no fight today. I'm not fighting it. I'm not fighting against it. Um, I'm I'm out of the ring today. And I'm really happy to not be in the fighting ring today. Um, I don't have any resolve. I have commitment today. You know, my commitment is to the 12 steps of OA. My commitment is to this meeting because attending this meeting daily, it's changing the way I think during the day. And it's magical. And it doesn't take any planning, figuring. It's just occurring. And there's some real beauty in the peace around that for me today. So thank you for listening. And that's my share. And thank you, Camille G. I think I heard Sarah W. Good morning to you, Sarah. Good morning, Janice. Thank you so much for your service. This is Sarah W., a grateful compulsive overeater from Iowa. And I am recovered. I'm grateful for that, Barry. Um, it's such an um, incredible story, of course. And um, the thing that comes to me is that the pain of the disease, the pain and the suffering of the disease. And I I keep thinking in my mind when we're reading this that we're powerless, but we're not helpless. But the help comes in two ways, not just one to me. Um, You know, we can start to, as we walk in, to ask this something, whatever it is, I don't know what it is, but this goodness of the universe to help me. But I also have to ask for someone to stretch out their hand and be humble enough to ask for help. And I think there's a little glitch that happens sometimes, that we think that people need to get abstinent without help in talking to them and supporting them and encouraging them and offering them some some avenues and that they should just be able to do it and then come to us and then we will help them. I don't think that's, that's not the way I believe to do it and that's not what I needed. So I think we have to have the humility to ask for the help, but then we have to be willing to take the action. You know, we can't expect other people to be willing to do the action for us. And if I'm working harder than the other person, then that person must not want it that badly. Uh, I've seen so many people go back out away. I was at an intergroup meeting last night, and, you know, our numbers are down. And I think we really need to um, encourage and support. And obviously, Bill, you know, wants he wants some sort of serenity. He's miserable. I mean, he's starting to get really miserable. And he he wants to do this, but willingness... And willpower is no match for obsession. So we need those other two pieces, I think. And, um, you know, we just have to um, believe that the second part of the second step, somehow that that we can be restored to sanity, uh, you know, that piece of the program is so huge to me. So I'm so grateful 
you know, I've released 100 pounds, kept it off for almost six years, you know, really have a different way of looking at life and living life. And it is really a miracle. If you knew me before, you wouldn't even know who I was compared to where I am today. So I still have a long way to go, but I'm so grateful for the program. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Janet. And thank you so much, Sarah W. Okay. Who would like to be next, please? I think I heard a Tina. Tina? Ida. Ida, I heard Ida. What's your, what's your last name? Uh, Ida, what is your first initial to your last name? L. Okay. And Tina, were you there too? Yes. Tina S? Tina S. Yeah, good. And then I heard Leah S. And someone else? Lynn S. Okay. S. Lynn S. And anyone else? Anne Marie M. And that'll be it for this group. Just for this group, there's more coming. All right, Tina S., please go ahead. Thanks, Janice. Uh, Tina S. Ida. Anorexic in Florida. Uh, thanks, Janice, so much. Uh, well, you know, I, I say this every day, but it's just so true. I'm grateful that I fit here and that I belong because I hear everything. Tina, can you just um, adjust your volume? You seem like you're far away. Is that better? Oh, it's so much better, Tina. Thank you. Okay, great. Thanks. Um, you know, I'm so grateful that I belong today and I, and I have a place to be. Uh, so grateful. And, and you know, I, and I agree with everybody that shared, you know, this is just, you know, the, the soul of step one. You know, and they always told me that this is the only step that I had to take 100%. So we get so many examples in Bill's story that I am just so powerless over food and that my life is totally unmanageable by me. You know, and I think it's kind of a segue into the solution, which is, you know, believing that a power greater than myself can restore me to sanity. And I loved what was shared. You know, I didn't think I was insane. Then I wanted to be just insane. You know, so uh, there was no middle of the road for me. And, um, you know, and I'm grateful today that, that, I, I, that I totally believe that I'm powerless and, and that my life is unmanageable. Because just like, you know, everybody says that, you know, I had so many times where I... I'm sorry, Tina, I'm so sorry to interrupt you, but you're low again. And I okay. don't know if you're, you're, you're I can hear you okay. better now, right there. Okay, great, thanks. Uh, and I just, you know, just am grateful that I, you know, I have a place today to know that with a power greater than myself, I can get out of this complete defeat. And, uh, and with that, I'll pass, thanks. Okay, thank you so much, Tina. Uh, yes, I'm sorry for that. But anyway, Ida, you're next now. Okay, Ida I'm Ida L. Thank you for your service, Ida L. from Pennsylvania. And um, hello, fellow travelers. Um, I just wanted to uh, recover compulsive overeater. I want to jump in here. I have to tell you, I do listen to the vision line, and I find it incredibly difficult to get in there and find my space to share. Um, so it's, um, it's really a privilege for me to be able to jump in and be heard and uh, to give a little pitch this morning. The thing that I see here and I can share so much with or relate so much to what everybody else has has said is the eyes. The caution that I blow, uh, I want to uh, give attention to is the ego regenerates itself. I have to be so careful. I am recovered. I do not have the obsession for food. Thank God. Three years with a 60-pound additional weight loss 
starting years ago at the uh, weight of 350. But, you know, I can relate to what this says, but I also know I do not want my trigger foods. I, there's something that happened to me, not by me. By working the steps, by doing the footwork in the steps, by paying attention to when I'm irritable, restless, and discontent, and knowing there's something deeper going on here, and that psychic change that happened to me carries me through to the kitchen, to the restaurant, to every occasion when I eat. There's still a voice at times that says, eh, you don't want those carrots for lunch, but the voice that comes behind it and says, eh, wrong answer, is stronger than the voice that says, you don't want the carrots for lunch. And it's it, I can tell you today that if it weren't for the recovery process that I've experienced through working the steps offered to me through vision and the work in vision, the obstacles that I've had to pass would have had me back in the food. That is the blow caution to the wind that I want to share today. We always are going to carry the big I with us. Work the steps. It's a spiritual psychic change. The ego regenerates itself. I don't have to be heard every day on vision to stake my claim, to stake my place for you to know that I'm a part of you. But is it my ego that says I need to be heard every day? Could be. Um, Maybe not. I don't know. But I will say this that um, the things that I've encountered in my life, if it weren't for the steps and the work that has happened to me by working the steps with the psychic change, I would definitely be back in the food. The obstacles are there. Thank God my experience with my higher power is bigger than my obstacles. Thanks for listening. And thank you so much, Ida L. Okay, Leah S., it's your turn. Thank you, Janice. This is Leah S., a recovered compulsive overeater from Brooklyn. Um, Where is my high resolve? What is wrong with me? Am I crazy? This is the progression of the disease. What does it mean, the progression of the disease? This is the disease. In this second, I'm going to tell you, and I'm going to promise you, and in the next second, what happened to me? We just came out of the doctor's opinion. What are we reading there? It is a mental obsession of the mind. It is an allergy of the food. I'm going to stay away from that like a, like, a, like a burn that I'm going to get. It's going to burn me. It's going to kill me. It definitely will. Maybe not today, but maybe tomorrow. But I've got to believe it because I do believe it. I come here and I listen to you guys and I want to have what you have. So I do believe it. But I got to get to it. I got to get to the action. And I got to study this because this is a mental obsession. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you.
Janet, we don't hear yep. you. I, yep, I'm so sorry. Thank you, ladies. Uh, yeah, thank you, Leah S. And Lynn S., it's your turn. That's why you weren't speaking up. Good morning. This is Lynn S., a recovering compulsive overeater in Toronto, Canada. Was I crazy? I began to wonder, for such an appalling lack of perspective seemed near being just that. That line really speaks to me because I was a fat baby and a fat kid and a fat teenager and a fat adult. And all through that time, I tried numerous medical and physical approaches to losing weight. And, and none of them worked. That's not true. They worked wonderfully well. I remember my grandparents gave me a membership to Weight Watchers when I was 16. That was my sweet 16 present. And I, that was the first time I lost 100 pounds. And from then till I came into program, which would be 20 years later, my bounce was 100 up and 100 down. And I remember that. But I remember going through all this stuff. And nothing would keep it off. The minute I lost that 100 pounds, I remember my mother taking me out to a restaurant and having a piece of pecan pie and saying to the waiter, I just lost 100 pounds, so I'm having this pie. And he's going, if you finish it, I'll buy you a second piece. You know, it's just, just craziness. That's what's going through my thoughts. But what's really going through my thoughts right now is lying in bed, wanting so much to be with people and being so lonely. And having somebody phone and say, Lynn, do you want to come out with us? And I'm listening to that, and I'm looking in the bed. And in the bed, there's cheesecake and bagels, and and uh, I can't even think what else right now, chips and bread and, and all that stuff. And the tears are running down my eyes because I am so lonely, but I can't choose to go out with the people because it hurts too much. It hurts being the fat one. It hurts being the one who can't sit through the turnstile. It hurts being the one who's uncomfortable in the chair. And it hurts being the one who wants to just eat everything that's there but is restraining myself in public so I can't wait to get home and finish it. And I can remember saying, what is wrong with you? You want to be thin so badly and you keep stuffing your face. I don't get it. Then I thought, well, maybe I was a multiple personality, and that was what was causing it. And at my lowest point, I remember having to check in with the doctor every single day, and I was on medication because if I didn't check in, it was like a suicide watch thing, that I would be uh, in a hospital. And even after um, intestinal bypass, I still gained over 100 pounds. And the point was just, it began to dawn on me, I'm nuts. I must be crazy. I can't want to be thin so badly, and yet I keep eating like this, and I do it over and over and over again. And thank God when I came to the program, I found out I was crazy. But even more important than that, I was handed a solution which has worked since 1989 and helped, not helped me, that's the wrong word, and has taken from me the obsession to eat and 140-pound weight loss it, it's truly a miracle. I was crazy, and I'm not now. Not as much, anyway. And with that, I pass. And thank you so much, Lynn S. Okay, Anne-Marie M., it's your turn. Oh, good morning, Janice. I didn't think you heard me. This is Anne-Marie M., a compulsive to eater, um, newly recovered, and the obsession has, has left me, and I'm so, so grateful. I kept on thinking about the word amnesia. 
because I feel like that's what this part of the disease is amnesia. I remember coming home one day, I don't cry very easily, and I just sobbed at the dining room table with my husband and just cried and just said, I can't do this anymore. I just can't. And just so upset. And and he sat there just wishing that there was something that he could do. And, um, you know, that wasn't my bottom, you know. Uh, That was, you know, probably about a year ago. Um, I forget just like other people have said, I forget what it's been like to come, just keep eating and eating and not being able to stop that hand from going to my mouth. There's something in my brain, and I've accepted it. There's something in my brain that is missing, and I think that's just a a matter of fact. Um, And I appreciate what one of the other uh, people had said earlier about... um, helping those that are still in the food. I remember, uh, this is about a couple of years ago, someone told me to um, call them back when I stopped eating, when I stopped, when I put down the food for two weeks. And I got off the phone and I was angry and I said, you know what, I am going to show her. I'm going to show her and I'm going to, I'm not going to eat for two weeks. And uh, just a couple of days later, I was back in the food because of the amnesia. Um, so, you know, I don't, um, I don't encourage people to compulsively eat, but I'm, I'm, I'm there to listen because I know that when I was in the food, I felt so lonely and isolated and unwanted. I remember calling someone and saying that, you know, leaving a message saying, you know, I want to eat and, and not getting a return call back because I felt like I had leprosy for some reason. The people couldn't, that was just, that's all in my mind. But And I know a lot of it is my um, sensitivity, but when, I think when people are in the food, well, I know when I was in the food, I was so sensitive. Everybody was talking about me. Everybody was thinking about me. And I know that's also part of the disease, uh, the sickness of the mind. So um, I just want to thank everyone for sharing, and uh, I appreciate being here, and I will pass with that. Thanks, Janice, for your service. And thank you for yours, Anne-Marie M., for sharing. Okay, we can take a couple of more. And don't worry, we have another meeting coming up. So who would like to be next? Carlissa C. Renee. Okay, we have Carlissa C. And was it a Renee? Yes. Renee what? C. Renee C. Okay, go ahead. Carlissa C. It's your turn. Good morning. Thank you for your service. I hope you can hear me okay. I'm speaking through my uh, tablet. Thank you. Very well. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much. Um, uh, I have been reading more about alcoholism in the big book very closely. In this paragraph, that which begins um, shortly afterward, I came, I came home drunk. Where was where had been my high resolve? Um, and the word. <laughs> then he asked, "Was I crazy?" So, in more about alcoholism, and there are special editions on this <laughs> topic that I would just urge if you haven't studied this or heard this whole concept of sanity and insanity in our program discussed recently um, that you that those special editions have really helped me because they're you know right here he's not talking about mental illness in our 21st century way of thinking what he's talking about is our utter lack of proportionality which is something that um, he he bill and the other writers of the big book 
start to discuss and more about alcoholism. And there are people on this phone line, I'm sure, who um, are much more studied than this. But what, what, how this paragraph is striking me is that until I, there's some openness for me to start saying, my behavior is not going to get me the results I say I want, but I keep doing it. So that's, the, that's my definition of crazy, continuing to do the same thing, expecting different results. And I did that for many, 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 many years. And to be honest, to be real, real, <laughs> that is still the way that I can do things outside of the rooms with other people. I can let every single, uh, I will call it uh, character flaw, but we know it in the rooms as character defect, get in between me and my relationship with others, including my uh, higher, higher power. So I, I just wanted to say I love, I, I'm so happy because I think this is the first time he uses the word crazy. And, um, but it's a word that I have come to be very familiar with because, and to use another phrase of one of our fellows on this line, untreated food addiction. <laughs> I love it because unless I work the steps, unless I keep reading, unless I keep coming back, I am the person whose legs will not grow back. I can get a good prosthetic fit with this big book of, of Alcoholic uh, uh, Anonymous. I can get a good fit that can keep me going day to day, but my legs will not grow back. You know, once a, once a food drunk, always a food drunk. And I will forget that minute to minute unless I'm constantly hearing the object. And I love this morning hearing our egos regenerate. Hallelujah. I'm going to be holding on to that because my, my power does not, unless I am connected to a high power. With that, I pass. Thank you. And thank you, Kalissa C. Okay, Renee C., it's your turn and wrap it up. Good morning, Janice. May I be heard? You can. Very good. My name is Renee C., grateful, recovering, compulsive overeater from outside of Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. So really touched by the shares this morning, as I, I am each morning listening and I wanted to share the part that he realized, Bill W., that he could not take as much as even one drink. And then he focuses and asks the question, was I crazy? And I can so relate to that. I can so identify with, you know, I couldn't take one bite. One bite led to a thousand. One was too many. A thousand was not enough, as we say. So I really believe in my heart of hearts that I can't take that first compulsive bite because it sets up the insanity and the craziness. And I was crazy, and I probably still am a little bit, but not the way that I was, not the way that I was when I was into the food, when I relapsed nine and a half, almost ten years ago in April. You know, for today, I'm choosing to live in recovery. I'm choosing to work the steps. I'm choosing to reach out to my fellows. And perhaps most importantly for me at this moment is I'm really working on a conscious relationship with my higher power on a minute-by-minute basis. I am dealing with some very difficult health challenges, as some of you may know, with my cancer and the possibility, perhaps, that it may be growing back. Um, So it's been a rough four days, but I am not in the food and I am in recovery, and for that, I am immensely grateful. Thank you, Janice, for your service. I love you all, and I'm really thankful to be on this meeting. 
And thank you so much, Renee C. Okay, then uh, I wish to thank everyone who shared. But please join us for the second unrecorded hour of study immediately following this closing. We will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. Will Larry Kay please read a vision for you? Our book is meant to be suggestive only. Sure. Okay, our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you, you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then. 